Hey guys, Bill here. We are going to be doing a two-round Dynasty rookie draft with Mike Clay, talking about a lot of the guys who got drafted in this past NFL draft, where they landed, what might be a great fit for them, and what kind of impact they're going to have in fantasy football in the short term and in the long term. We'll get to that in a second, but first, just wanted to remind you guys, if you're not listening to ESPN Daily, you're making a really dumb mistake. Don't be stupid. Just subscribe to ESPN Daily with our friend Mina Kimes. If you don't want to listen to me, that's fine. I'm on occasional. You can just skip the ones with me. But a lot of smart people, a lot of really interesting topics. Mina was actually the guest recently, actually on her own show, talking with Pablo Torre about the Korean Baseball League, which, of course, is now airing in late nights at ESPN, one of the few live sports actually going on right now. Always an interesting listen. Always smart guests. Some of the best and brightest at ESPN and also me. So enjoy ESPN Daily. Subscribe to that and the Bill Barnwell Show wherever you listen to podcasts. And here comes my show with Mike. All right, joining me now, as promised, is friend of the show. Excellent Twitter follow. If you listen to the Fantasy Focus podcast, you, you see and listen to Mike Clay regularly. Mike Clay now joins us to talk about the rookies in this year's draft class. Mike, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, and it's uh, Obviously, I hope you're doing well. And, uh, I mean, I'm excited to talk about this, Bill, because what a class, right? You know, we talk a lot about the wide receivers coming in this year, but, man, there's some talent at the top end at running back, obviously some high-end pedigree quarterback. I mean, maybe not tight ends. You know, we might not talk about mm-hmm. that so many times today, sure. but uh, otherwise they're just loaded with talent, so it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think a lot of, you know, obviously the wide receiver depth is really strong, and we certainly talked about this wide receiver crop heading into the draft, but I feel like the running backs – ended up in very interesting places. And so maybe a running back who, you know, might not have been quite that exciting in a different spot. You know, there are a bunch of guys who ended up in spots where they could have really significant roles and be really valuable uh, over the course of the next four or five years. So I think a really, like you said, a really fascinating sort of running back crop here. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the first two rounds of a typical rookie dynasty draft. So the first 24 picks of a dynasty draft for rookies um, and just sort of go through and, you know, sort of prioritize these guys and talk about, you know, what stands out in terms of, uh, you know, their, their college performance or, or more, more notably when it comes to the work Mike does for us at ESPN, um, there are projections for 2020, how they might fit into these offenses, what roles they might be able to assume and, and go from there. So Mike, you're the guest. I, I feel like it's only proper to give you the first pick. Well, I appreciate that because this is the layup pick, right? <laughs> the, uh, the way the way the draft worked out. Look, uh, if you can get the lead back on a Patrick Mahomes slash Andy Reid offense, mm-hmm. you do that. You, you do that. I mean, Reid has obviously had a, a great history with running backs in, in fantasy football, and, and obviously he's utilized them well and maximized them well uh, aside of fantasy, just looking at it from an NFL standpoint. I mean, just think about this. Damian Williams has played 16 games with the Chiefs in which he has played over half the snaps. Last mm-hmm. season, if you, if, you extra, if, you, if you total all the numbers together that he put t- together in those 16 games, he would have been the number two scoring fantasy running back last season wow. behind only Chris Affrey. I mean, he gets a ton out of that position. It's gone on and on. And now what do they do? They spend for the first time ever under in, in an Andy Reid regime, mm-hmm. they spend a first-round pick on Clyde. Edward Hilaire uh, out of LSU. So I, I love it. The landing spot, I was already high on him. I was one of the few who actually had him atop my running back board before the draft. I, I oh, wow. love this guy. And that was controversial because you have other guys we're going to talk about, like Taylor, Swift, Dobbins, guys like that. I love this kid. Obviously, he was terrific as a pass catcher. He led this group in targets, receptions, receiving yards last season. But, you know, I, I look closer at you know, force missed tackles, and yards after contact per attempt. Those are two categories I focus a lot on with running backs, and mm-hmm. that's allowed me to find gems over the past five-plus years of, of looking at those stats. And that's where he, he stands out a lot, Bill. I mean, if you look at uh, where he's ranked out in, in those categories, he was near the top in, in both, and that's why he really stood out on top of the receiving, which is so important this day and age. So. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm pumped up for this one. I think that uh, Damian Williams is—he's bigger, obviously. Uh, you know, he layers a little undersized, not too fast, so you'll see some Williams mixed in. But it's just a matter of time before this first-round pick takes over as the lead back in this elite, boring offense. So I'm, I'm really excited for the landing spot, which is why I'm rambling a little bit on this one. But uh, mm-hmm. I think he's 
the, the no-brainer first overall pick. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, can you make any argument for anybody else besides Edwards Hilaire being the first overall pick? Um, I, I think you could. Uh, I think that the case would be avoiding running backs, which in mm-hmm. Dynasty you don't necessarily need to do with a rookie pick, right? Like that first contract's the key spot, so you can get away right. with taking a running back. With an early first-round pick, you're going to get a few good years out of them, especially first-round running backs, as we've seen. So, um, but but again, a lot of people kind of try to stay away from running backs in, in dynasty and, and even season-long with or with high investment. So that could pivot you to a, a Jerry Judy or a C.D. Lamb, perhaps, mm-hmm. or even Henry Ruggs if you decide to go that direction. And the only other case would be is if you're in on Jonathan Taylor, right? And again, mm-hmm. we'll we'll get more into him shortly, but. You know, there's reasons to be infatuated with the talent that that Taylor has, not to mention the situation uh, long-term in Indianapolis. So uh, I think you could make a case, but I'd be hard-pressed to go against a guy, again, that I had atop my board even before he went with with this Chiefs offense. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, all your points are echoed here. I, you know, I I do think when Andy Reid has gone out and drafted a running back, even not at the first-round level, he has prioritized those guys. I mean, think about the year he drafted Kareem Hunt, who was a third-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. And Spencer Ware gets injured. Kareem Hunt fumbles his first touch. It would have been so easy to just bench Kareem Hunt for a few weeks. And Kareem Hunt had a monster game. That very game against the Patriots had, of course, you know, a, a great season and a half with the Chiefs. So, you know, even though we are hearing from Brett Veach that, that Damian Williams is going to be, you know, the lead guy to start the season, it does feel like a matter of time. I mean, Damian Williams is not always the healthiest player. Um, you know, they didn't draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round to have him be, you know, a, a five, six touch a game guy. It does feel like by the end of the year, he's going to be, you know, one of the most valuable players in fantasy football. Yeah, I think the only thing we have to figure out uh, with this one, the only kind of question mark is how to pronounce his last name. Because I, <laughs> I think, you know, I've, I've read that it's Hilaire, right? But Hilaire. I've heard Hilaire. Well, so yeah, I think it's I think it's Hilaire. So that's the only thing I've kind of uh, uh, battled through with him. Otherwise, I'm all in. I, I think I think Hilaire. I trust your judgment on this, Mike. You are the, the studied, reason person here. I, I I will follow your lead on this one. I will say, I, so I have the second overall pick. Not as difficult of a name. I'm I'm maybe out on the limb here, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to go with Cam Akers with the Rams. Wow. And and the reason why. Number one, I, I think this this role, the the Rams lead back role, can be very valuable. You look at Todd Gurley, who was, you know, I don't want to say washed in 2019, but certainly not his old self. Over the final seven weeks of the year, Todd Gurley averaged 19.3 touches and scored seven touchdowns in seven games. So there's a pretty meaningful role to have there. And, and I think everything we've seen says Sean McVay does not trust um, does not trust his other backs. I mean. You know, could uh, you know, could Malcolm Brown still have a role? I suppose, but you know, Malcolm Brown has been positioned as a backup for this roster, and, and I just don't think Sean McVay trusts Daryl Henderson very much. I, you know, given his usage rate, given how he was, you know, given that there were plenty of opportunities for him to make a meaningful impact last year, and they just did not want to use him. I, I think Cam Akers has a, you know, ha- has an opportunity to be the lead back in this offense pretty quickly. And that can be a really valuable role, even if it's not the Todd Gurley peak role. Yeah, I think it's possible. I'm a little lower. I have him as RB5 on my board uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, if you look at, again, Yak and force miss tackle profile, it's it's decent for him. Um, he, you know, he, he's, he can kind of do it all. He, he can run the ball effectively. We know that the profile as a rusher is fine. He didn't have a very good supporting cast last season, but he may not have one this year with that offensive line that's right. kind of uh, enchanted there for the Rams. That's a little bit of a red flag, but he can for pass sure. block. Um, the the main issue I have here is potentially that you know the fact that he may not do much as a receiver, right? Uh, you know, he just he's kind of struggled in that department so far. He struggled with drops, so he's also had some fumbles as well along the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm worried that he's going to be just a one of them solid, reliable running backs that doesn't have much of a fantasy ceiling because he doesn't catch a lot of balls, and you know you have other guys coming in to make uh, you know act as kind of a change of pace option, and that may be the case for the Rams because because remember, I hear what you're saying on on Daryl Henderson, uh, I I totally get it. Maybe he will not pan out, but 
just keep in mind that we're talking about a guy that in two consecutive seasons averages just under nine yards per carry in college. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to throw in the talent on him yet. I think Fair. that kind of felt committed to Gurley, like almost like he he had to force Gurley in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is obviously going to change now. So perhaps he'll be unleashed uh, uh, this season. And I expect it to be kind of a wide open competition. But again, you know, we we don't know how it's it's going to pan out. Maybe Akers is just the superior guy and Henderson isn't, or vice versa. Maybe it's like a Tevin Coleman, Devonta Freeman situation. Right. Remember that when mm-hmm. you know Freeman didn't look great that early on, and then they drafted Coleman the next year, and everyone was on Coleman, and then Freeman broke out and proved to be you know a very good back. So uh, I think it's wide open. I think that's a little early for Moss, but then again, would it shock me if he's the second best back in this group? But no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see your point, you know, and, and I do think that. Um, I, I really liked Henderson. I really thought he was going to be the guy who took over. So, you know, all year I was kind of waiting, okay, this is going to be the week, this is going to be the week. And then it never happened. And then I, I do, I, I think it's a little telling that for a team that has such little draft capital, that, you know, that really had needs elsewhere to draft a running back with their, their first selection in the second round when, you know, they didn't draft mm-hmm. a tackle, they didn't draft, um, they drafted a receiver after that, but didn't draft help in the secondary, didn't draft linebackers. I mean, to go out and say, okay, we're going to take a running back with our first pick. Um, you know, I, I think that's interesting to me. I, I think that that helps fill in part of the story for me. But again, I think the, the Coleman Freeman example is really, really interesting and a really good point because, you know, Freeman, I think, um, if I remember correctly, Tevin Coleman got hurt. I believe, as a rookie, and that kind of opened the door back up for Freeman, if I'm not mistaken, and they became a great one-two punch. But, you know, again, I think you're very fair to say that we shouldn't be giving up on Henderson after one year. Yeah, and something else I'll throw on, this kind of will will, uh, lead into other guys we're about to talk about, right, because there was a whole bunch of uh, running backs drafted in round two and three. If you look back at the past decade, obviously we've seen first-round running backs be terrific in fantasy as rookies, but... Uh, only six of the 23 backs drafted in the second round finished better than RB28 as a wow. rookie. Six out of three. And then if you're talking about a guy like Henderson in round three, uh, of the 25 backs drafted in round three during the past decade, only three were top 22, right? So oh, we, we actually don't get much out of this position. I don't think many people realize that. It takes some time for them to really kind of emerge as, as stars in fantasy. So uh, just something just something to keep in mind. Guys like Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt and David Johnson, even even guys like, uh, you know, an Eddie Lacy or something like that, Le'Veon Bell, Nick Chubb. They, you know, it's they don't come they don't come around often. It's, it takes some of these guys a little while to get rolling, and and that can mm-hmm. apply to a David Montgomery as well. Um, you know, who who didn't do much last year. Makes total sense. Who are you taking with the third overall pick then? Uh, third overall, I'm going to go to the guy number two on my board. I'm going to go Jerry Judy. I'm going to go over to the really? wide receiver position. Okay, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I, you know, I think that he's positioned a little better than C.E. Lamb. I think those two were kind of 1A and 1B on, on top of the prospect board of wide receiver. I, I definitely like them a little bit more than Henry Ruggs. Um, but I, I like the short-term situation for Judy a little bit better. Obviously, quarterback's more of a question, but Judy's going to step right in. He's going to play a huge role with Cortland Sutton there, uh, obviously, in that Denver offense. And, and it's headed the right way. I think that offensive line's in decent shape. They have three Good young receivers, hopefully. Hopefully they pan out. Noah fan of tight end. Uh, th- th- uh, at least two good running backs in the backfield. The defense is terrific. I think Denver makes a leap this season. And, uh, again, if, if Locke is a bust, this is a, may look bad. But I just love the talent here, and I love the opportunity right out of the gate. So it's Judy for me. Yeah, I mean, my only concern, or I guess my, my two concerns are just there are a lot of mouths to feed in this offense, and I'm not sure how good the cook is with Drew Locke. But, I mean – you know, the talent is obviously there. And I think, you know, he's going to have a an opportunity to have one-on-one matchups against defensive backs pretty much every snap. Because Cortland Sutton, if there's anyone going to demand double teams on this offense, at first you'd figure Cortland Sutton would be that guy. So I, you know, I I think he's a great, I think he's a better real-life pick than fantasy pick, if that makes any sense. But I do think he is super talented, and I'd be... I'd be more on board if the if I was more confident with the quarterback situation. Yep, no, I'm, I totally understand. I think a lot of people, certainly if you look at average draft position, you're going to see people pivot more towards the running backs here. But, uh, again, we're going to get into that. You know, I think there's uh, some tricky situations at the running back position, so I'm going to go uh, – I, I went a little higher floor, which is somewhat controversial. So I'm, I'm – uh, 
Bilan Jewy at the two spot yeah. here. I don't blame you. I, I don't blame you at all. And I think when I talk about the fourth overall pick, which for me is going to be Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I, I love the the profile coming out of school. I, I think he is a great fit for the offense. I love the offensive line. But then at the same time, I can raise questions because, number one, in, in his first year, you figure – at least the Colts have said he's going to split time with Marlon Mack. Now, obviously, we'll see. Um, you can look back to LaShawn McCoy last year as a guy who the Bills said, oh, he's going to be our guy until they cut him. So you can't really trust GMs when it comes to drafting. I think the the when they actually draft players, what they do is more important than what they say. But with Jonathan Taylor, a guy who will probably split time in year one, a guy who's not going to get the third down snaps most likely because they do have receiving backs on this roster, uh, Naheem Hines, and... He is a guy who has 18 fumbles over the last three years. Of course, not a ton of carries, but a ton of fumbles as well. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor, I think a guy who, you know, could profile really well, but also has a pretty low floor because there are question marks about his receiving, about his his workload early in his career, his workload in college, and then also the fumbles. Yep, exactly. You've laid it out perfectly. You know, the, you love the, the size-speed combination there. I'm worried about uh, him settling and you know we saw it with Josh Jacobs last year right Josh Jacobs was one of the most effective runners in the NFL mm-hmm. but really couldn't crack RB1 status because he wasn't catching any footballs and and yeah. you've seen that with you've seen that with a guy that uh Taylor may replace here or will at some point replace Marlon Mack who again has gotten a lot of volume as a rusher he has been very effective as a rusher so far in his career but he has not been a good fantasy running back at all. I mean, he's got 900 rushing yards and eight touchdowns each of the past two seasons. That sounds pretty good. He has zero top 20 fantasy seasons in his career. I mean, receiving is a huge, huge part of fantasy, especially in PPR, which is what we're focused on. That's their standard at ESPN. So mm-hmm. uh, you like Taylor a little more if it's on PPR, if it's PPR, you're just a little bit more nervous. But, but yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you think about the size, the speed, the efficiency, Taylor could be one of the best runners in the NFL. But again, that doesn't always matter in fantasy. You know, he could level off as a as a RB10 or RB12, and that's something you got to think about when you're evaluating these guys. Yeah, and I mean, we don't know what this offense is going to look like in 2021 because we don't know if Philip Rivers is going to be the quarterback of this team. I, I don't think Jacob Eason is going to be the starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, but, I mean, we don't know what the – the offense is going to look like. It could be great for him. It could be, you know, a run first offense where he gets a, a huge workload and is sort of the, you know, the Leonard Fournette of this offense, but could also be a situation where they go more pass happy and, and he is sort of, you know, a goal line back, but not much more than that. So I think it's, you know, there, there's some uncertainty there. It could work out well, but also I think this is a, a higher variance option in a lot of ways than some other backs here in the, the top of the class. Um, who do you have at five? Uh, fifth pick for me, I'm going to go back to the wide receiver well here. Again, I yeah. think a lot of people probably want to get one of, another one of these running backs, but I'd have a no problem, again, going with the higher floor. CeeDee Lamb, uh, again, it, the landing spot may not seem great going to Dallas, but I somewhat disagree with that. In fact, you know, I look back to last season. It, Dak Prescott threw for, was it around 5,000 yards last season, and it benefited their wide receivers. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, they played 13 games together. They ranked fourth, fifth, and 31st in fantasy points at wide receiver those 13 weeks. So uh, D- Prescott was able to support Cobb as well as uh, as well as two other top five fantasy receivers. And they have C.D. Lamb, who, I mean, he was number one in this class in yards per route run last season. Obviously, he is a top side, and and he was. I actually had him just ahead of Judy. Uh, on my board going into the draft. I like Judy's path to playing time a little bit more. You know, he doesn't have two very good receivers out of him. He just says, as you mentioned, it's a little bit more crowded. But, again, it's not as bad as it may seem for Lamb. He's going to play a lot. They're going to use a lot of uh, 11 personnel. They're going to throw the ball plenty. They're uh, going to score plenty of touchdowns. I really like this, what's going on there with Dallas. Their roster yeah. is in good shape. Uh, so, anyway, short and long term, I think that Lamb's uh, in a pretty good place. So, so I like him. Yeah, and I mean, when it comes to that, you know, those sort of mouths to feed, um, the other thing I would say is that Amari Cooper's contract, you know, you see five years, $100 million, you think, okay, he's a building block for that team. Really only two years guaranteed in that deal. So given the contracts the Cowboys have to hand out to other players, not out of the question that a couple of years from now, C.D. Lamb is sitting there with Michael Gallup, and he's the primary receiver in this offense. So, um, you know, I think when you're thinking about the longer term when it comes to his impact, I mean, this is a guy who, 
you know, his his path to a hundred targets is a little cloudy now just because there's so many other options in this offense, but you know, he could be a really, really uh, or a true number one wide receiver in a couple of years if Murray Cooper, you know, gets hurt or if he's, uh, you know, not on this roster anymore. Yep, no question about it, no question. And in the short term, they have a terrific trio here. They don't have a lot to throw to at tight end. It's not like Zeke is a major presence as a receiver. At least he wasn't last year relative to the year before. So uh, it's an offense that can support three guys, I think. So uh, I re- really like the setup here for Lamb uh, in, in a good Cowboys offense. Yeah, I'm going to go chalk uh, here at six. I'll go back to the running backs. I'm not going to go DeAndre Swift. I'm going to go J.K. Dobbins. Um, Again, thinking about the bigger picture here with this offense, thinking about beyond this year, Mark Ingram has no guarantee money on his deal. So we know Mark Ingram is not long for this roster. He could be on the roster in 2021, not out of the question, but wouldn't shock me if this is Mark Ingram's final year in this offense. I mean, they have Gus Edwards who's going to get a role – Obviously, Lamar Jackson is going to play a big role when it comes to running the ball in this offense. He's going to have a role in the red zone that's going to limit uh, your upside. But, you know, this is a, a team that is built to run the football. They are not going away from that game plan anytime soon. Their philosophy is going to be running the football. I think they're going to be very good at it. Maybe not as good as they were in 2019, but still very good. Um, and, and J.K. Dobbins could be the primary back in that offense last year. Now, Probably back in this offense uh, in, in 2021. Now, I don't know how high that ceiling is because I look at, at 2019 and, you know, basically you have a dream scenario. Lamar is healthy. Your running game is dominant. Mark Ingram is, is your lead back. He has 202 carries last year. It's not a, you know, not a sort of enormous workload, but a guy who I think can be, you know, an every week starting running back with, you know, sort of pushing towards RB1 upside uh, if he sort of plays the role that, that you know, he's being drafted to play right now. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Uh, you know, I bumped him down a little bit for landing spot to short-term, you know, short-term output. I mean, if you think about Mark Ingram, you know, he was kind of floating around RB1 status last season, but very touchdown dependent, right? So he he, sure. just, he wasn't getting a lot of volume. So even the Ravens' lead back was struggling to get consistent volume. Then you had Gus Edwards mixed in as well, and he's he is one of the best yards per carry marks in the league since he entered it. Which say what you want about yards per carry, the guy's been effective. You know, sure. as, as closer you look, the more effective you see that he is. Uh, Justice Hill, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a hard time seeing the field, but he's also a guy that we saw play more down the stretch last season when they needed a receiving back on the field. So there's a lot of mouths to feed here, and even if even if Dobbins is the one, even if he passes Ingram at some point. And and the guys, the other guys are still mixed in, which is probable. He's going to have a hard time getting anywhere close to like 20 touches a game. It's it's a long shot. So uh, I think he's going to probably be hard pressed, as I mentioned earlier, to get to kind of flex territory as a rookie, and and that's not uncommon. But uh, that's why I bumped him down. But again, if he went to the Chiefs, he'd be the first guy off the board. You know, what I mean, it, landing spot for him is is terrific. And maybe as soon as 2021, we'll be talking about him as an RB1. So uh, no major uh, faults with that pick. Okay, who do you have at seven? Uh, next up, I'm going to go back to wide receiver, believe it or not. There you uh, go. I, I, DeAndre Swift is plummeting. He's he's offended <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah, but, and again, by the way, keep this in mind, too. Your team structure matters, too. You know, oh, sometimes you don't just have to take the best guy, per se. These guys are close. They're lottery tickets. If you feel like you wanna, you're, you're not stacked at running back and you want to go that direction, that's fine. You know, so it really depends on, sure. on your So. Um, but I am going to go with Ruggs. Again, good landing spot. He goes to the Raiders where he should be their number one perimeter receiver immediately. They'll be designing plays for him right off the bat. He'll be getting vertical. He'll be used on, on bubble screens. They'll carry the ball, I'm sure. You name it, he'll be involved heavily uh, in this Raiders offense. We know he's crazy fast, sub 4-3. Um, so I really ought to like I, I think the only perhaps drawback here, Bill, is you know we've seen these these really fast prospects miss a lot of time earlier in their career so far, right? Like this is something I'm, I have a, I've been meaning to look into a little bit more, but mm-hmm. you know, we saw it with you know, John Ross and we saw it with Marquise Brown last year. And, and the list goes on and on of these speed guys who have just really struggled to stay on the field early in their career. So that, that makes me a little bit nervous, you know, just cause he is, you know, he's 5'11", 188 and, and uh, relies so much on that speed. But uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, of additional all around talent here. So, uh, again, I, I'm not going to crush him too much for that, but that makes me a little bit nervous. 
I have two questions, and I, I don't know how strongly they impact your opinion of Henry Ruggs. He like a great player, but I worried a bit about the fit, and here's why. Number one, you have Tyrell Williams on the roster this year. Tyrell Williams is a guy who, you know, even though I think they were disappointed because the the toe injury last year, a guy who we know his his game is getting downfield and making big plays, sort of similar to Henry Ruggs, not the same exactly, of course, but a guy who, you know, would figure in some of those deep targets. And then I look at, at what Derek Carr has done historically, and especially what he did last year, this is a guy who didn't really always throw it downfield very frequently, only 74 deep passes last year, which was tied for 24th in the NFL. So, um, you know, a, a player who did not typically throw it downfield all that often. So do you think, and I also think about Marcus Mariota, who a guy who was very conservative during his time in Tennessee, mostly he wanted to avoid interceptions over everything else. So when I think about, about rugs in this offense, at least in the short term, I mean, do you think he could struggle because you know, the offense isn't really built to accommodate him, or do you think the offense is going to change this year to, to sort of accommodate more explosive plays? And if you do, do you think Derek Carr can hold up and, and pull that off? I think it'll change a bit. You, you know, you remember Alex Smith's final season with the Chiefs, how suddenly he started pushing downfield when he had Tyreek Hill, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, so... And by the way, Tyrell Williams, I mean, he just wasn't really a factor. I mean, he was basically right. what he was with the Chargers. He was maybe you throw him four to five balls a game, and that's it. He was He's not a true number one wide receiver, no matter how much they wanted to tell us that after uh, Antonio Brown shenanigan. So, uh, you know, Williams scored a bunch of touchdowns early in the season and then kind of disappeared. He just wasn't thrown too much. In fact, it was four and a half targets per game uh, after that, that touchdown streak to start the season. So, uh, I'm not really worried about him. I think if if you have a choice going downfield, you're gonna you're gonna go with uh, you're gonna go with Rugs probably over Williams, who's more of a, a situational target. I would think. Um, you know, I maybe they'll try to throw to Josh Jacobs a little more. Obviously, you have Hunter Renfro in the slot there. Uh, you have Darren Waller who's gonna soak up a lot of targets, but I think there's enough to go around. I, you know, I think about a a 20% target share, something in that range, in a in an offense that'll probably be around mid pack in terms of, of pass rate. Mm-hmm. is enough to put him on the flex radar. I think Ruggs has a shot at it. But again, you know, we'll, we have to kind of see how it plays out and, and how much he progresses. Again, these are all lottery tickets, so we don't know if he's going to be up to the task right out of the gate. Or who knows? I mean, it, this could be like a Marquise Brown situation last year, right, where he has yeah. the 150-yard, two-touchdown game here or there, but otherwise catches one for seven. You know, it's just it's, it's really going to come down to if he's on the field and how, how much volume he, he uh, takes on. Yeah, and who knows what this offense is going to be next year as well. I mean, in 2021, I should say, as well. I mean, you know, it could be a different quarterback. It could be a, you know, a, a scheme more comfortable throwing into that field. Obviously, this is a young player, and, and still a lot could happen in his career. You don't want to project that Derek Carr is going to be there for a decade, even if it feels like he's been the Raiders quarterback for uh, the last 25 years or so at this point, <laughs> to me at least. Um, I will go – so we are four. We are now the eighth pick. I will, I'll, I'll go DeAndre Swift. I'm not thrilled about it. I have to admit. Um, I, I do a fifth. Lions are going to bounce back next year. I think they're going to be better with Matthew Stafford. They were really playing effectively. They really wanted to run the football. They have never seemed to fall in love with Kerryon Johnson, the sort of way that I think we expected, maybe. You know, certainly the way I expected, where I feel like I kind of figured he was going to be their lead guy, and obviously injuries have played an impact, but even when he's been healthy, they haven't given him that sort of enormous workload. And I know they want to run the football, and, and I think Swift is a talented player. I just wonder whether the Lions are actually going to be good at running the football. Yeah, I think uh, part of the reason I'm a little down on Swift is that I do sort of like on Johnson, right? He was super effective as a rookie. I was mm-hmm. shocked that, uh, yeah, I mean, he got the carries last season, right? I mean, they handed him the ball plenty. In fact, you look at his last three healthy games, he handled 74, 79, and 68% of the carry. So that wasn't really a problem. The problem was they basically phased him out as a receiver. And and I don't know why to, to this day, I don't know why they did that because he was pretty effective as a rookie in that department. We know he has that as a, in his, you know, as his arsenal of tools. Uh, and so that makes me a little nervous, but I still think he's going to be a factor, and it makes me nervous with Swift. If, if you're talking 10, 12 carries a game for Johnson at least, and Swift is out there in passing situations and as a change of pace back, does he ever really kind of get to that ceiling, or is he stuck in kind of like a Tevin Coleman sort of mold to go back to the, the Freeman-Coleman uh, sort of combination? So 
Uh, not to mention that it's unlikely to be a super high-scoring offense, even if it's above average, which I think is possible. I, I mm-hmm. think the Lions are a, an interesting sleeper team this year that had some, you know, they they were 500 until Stafford got hurt last year. Like you said, they were playing pretty well. Should have, they they had the Chiefs beat too, yes, as not for did. that that 99-yard fumble that was ridiculous. So uh, anyway, I'm getting off I'm getting off track on on that ramble, but uh, yeah, I think that Carryon's presence. Could be a little bit problematic, so that's why I'm a little bit lower. But again, could he emerge as the feature back and be an 18, 20 touch guy and, and emerge as an RB one at some point? Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. Who do you have at nine? Uh, next up for me is again, I'm gonna be a little controversial here and go to a second round wide receiver as opposed to a few first rounders still on the board. I love T. Higgins. You know, he's really? one of my top. Uh, yeah, I actually had him ahead of Ruggs pre-draft, so uh, wow. I was a little surprised he went behind a few guys that, that went ahead of him. But uh, like Higgins a lot, uh, you know, could his short-term playing time be blocked a little bit? I think it's possible. I, I think it's possible with A.J. Green there if he's healthy, Tyler Boyd's in the slot. John Ross is going to compete with uh, T. Higgins, assuming he's on the roster for that three job to open the season. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, Higgins, Borderline first round pick, right? He got he was what the first pick of day two, mm-hmm. and perhaps Joe Burrow's number one receiver for the next what five to ten years. It, it, yeah. You know, I, I like this one a lot. The guy that I think many compared him to, and and I agree with, is AJ Green entering the mm-hmm. draft. Coincidentally, built the same way. You know, tall, thin, uh, has excellent ball skills. He can get downfield, make plays. He's going to be a presence near the goal line. I think this guy has uh, superstar potential, and so I like him here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we don't know if A.J. Green is going to be healthy. Obviously, it's been a concern the past couple of years. Even if John Ross is still on the roster, you know, even if, I'm assuming Hakins will play ahead of Ross, and we're not sure Ross is ever going to be healthy. So, you know, right. very easy to imagine him getting a significant role in a team that's going to play a lot of 11, or 11 personnel, a lot of three wide out sets, and a team that I think with Joe Burrow is going to be throwing a lot and – Honestly, because their defense is pretty bad, also trailing a lot. So I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. They're going to be in situations where, you know, they're going to be throwing to catch up and throwing in the second half game. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's a great landing spot. And, you know, I, I, I'll feel better about it if, you know, if they traded AJ Green, I think it'd be even better. But um, I do think, you know, he's going to be in a great spot to be productive uh, in this offense. And I think a guy who, you know, like, like I said, to your point, you know, if he's, if he's Joe Burrow's lead receiver for the next decade, that's a, a top half of the first round pick for a dynasty draft. So absolutely, I think, you know, I think it's, it seems surprising to me at first, but it makes total sense the more you lay it out to me. Um, I think that's a really good pick at nine. If I'm going 10 here. I'm going to go wide receiver. I'm going to go Michael Pittman. I'm, I'm going to go ahead of one of the other first, a couple of the other first round picks. And I think it could be the hype. I mean, and I, I want to know what you think about this in terms of, what Frank Reich has said about Michael Pittman. Uh, obviously, he's been absolutely glowing, said he's the best wide receiver in the class. You know, how how much of that do you talk up the coach speak, and how much of that do you take seriously in terms of how they how they value him and how they plan on using him? Well, I mean, I think if Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb are on the board there, they're probably not taking Pittman, so I definitely yeah. would say there's an coach speak, but – there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we can read through it. I mean, you know, we're not we're not idiots. It's uh, that's totally fine that he said that. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I, I I get it. I, I get the appeal here. Um, I, I guess one of the if there's a short term question mark, it is uh, that it's a run heavy Colts offense and maybe even more run heavy with Jonathan Taylor there. I also think that the Colts are going to be really good this year. I think they're the three seed. That's where I have them right now in the AFC. They're going to be able to run the ball in the second half. And you also have Paris Campbell. How good is he? You know, he's in sure, his second year. He Hey, he may blow up this season. You know, they bring in Trey Burton to go with Jack Doyle, who they like to throw to a tight end. You have T.Y. Hilton, who's not going anywhere yet. You're going to see Naheem Hines in passing situations. So, uh, you know, is he is he going to make a lot of noise right out of the gate? There's a path to playing time. It's possible. But, uh, you know, I think that's a potential drawback. And then long-term, obviously, it's quarterback. Who is, his go- who is going to be his quarterback in 2021? We don't know that answer yet. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would have taken a few of these first-rounders ahead of him. But, again, I like Pittman a lot. It's a deep class, and I don't think you can go wrong taking a guy that went early round, too. There's just there's a ton of upside. Yeah, I mean, I think in the short term, if Rivers is there for a couple of years, which I think is not out of the question, I think he could be more than a one-and-done. I'm actually pretty optimistic about him rebounding this year. I think he's the Tyrell Williams for that offense, and that's not 
you know, if you're going to start your career in that role, there is some value in that as, you know, maybe a, you know, as a flex here and there, as a guy who, you know, has some upside and could play a bigger role if, if you know, T.Y. Hilton gets hurt, which is something that happens a fair amount. And then um, obviously the future is unknown. We don't know what's going to happen in quarterback there, but, um, you know, I, I think a guy they really value. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, I, I can kind of, I'm skeptical of some of the other receivers in one way or another. So I'll be intrigued to hear what you think about them because, um, you know, I, I thought he was the best of receivers who either have uh, maybe not the best quarterback situation or who are blocked to targets or different different issues for different receivers. But I'm interested to hear who, who do you have going 11? Uh, yeah, my, well, my next is Ayuk. Uh, uh, I'm going to go Brandon Ayuk right. here okay. for – yeah, for the 49ers. I like them a lot, again, pre-draft, too. You know, maybe doesn't have quite the ceiling of some of these other guys, but, uh, you know, I think he's just going to turn into a very, very solid uh, sort of receiver. In fact, if you look at his comps, uh, you know, I've seen Robert Woods, I've seen Pierre Garçon, kind of guys like that. So uh, he's a guy that can do a lot with the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, he showed his athleticism at the combine. He plays He plays inside, he plays out. Uh, so I, I like him. I like the talent there. And uh, you got to like the landing spot, right? I mean, this is a, a 49ers offense that runs a lot, granted, but they're not going to always run that often. They, they benefited from being ahead so often last season. We know that that doesn't carry over for an extended period of time for most teams. So they're going to have to throw it more, and, and he should slide right into that number two role. You have the Debo Samuels, the one, and, and maybe Ayuk's the one uh, at some point this season. It's, it's possible uh, that he could jump that high on the depth chart. So uh, good situation, very good player. First round pedigree. Uh, I'm in on, on Ayuk. I'm I'm skeptical of Ayuk. I have to admit, not because of the talent. I do think he's going to be, you know, used effectively. Where I think if he was with a different team, I'd wonder about them using him appropriately. It just there's so many mouths to feed in this offense. I mean, you have George Kittle, you have the running game. Where I do think they're, I know they might not run the ball quite as much, but I do think they want to keep sort of the pressure off of Jimmy Garoppolo if they can run the ball quite a bit. Um, and then at wideout, you have Devo, who's going to play a bigger role. You would figure in, in 2020 than he did in 2019, just because his role seemed to grow as the year went on. Um, you have Jalen Hurd coming back. You have Andrew Bourne. Dante Pettis might not be done theoretically, although wouldn't shock me if he got traded. Um, you know, they, they signed Travis Benjamin. They have Trent Taylor coming off of IR. And not all of these guys are going to make the roster, obviously, or have meaningful roles, but... I could see a situation where Ayuk just doesn't get the snaps to be uh, a significant impact player. Now, I, in the long run, I mean, absolutely, you know, he could try to be the guy there. I, I just, you know, there, there's so many mouths to feed there. And mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, even if they don't run the ball quite as much as they did last year, I do think at the end of the day, that's what Kyle Shanahan wants to do with this offense is to run and take deep shots. And, and I think Ayuk can be, a meaningful guy in this offense, but I do worry about him getting the, the path to that sort of every down status that we might see with the Higgins, for example, where I do think he's going to be on the field for 90% of the snaps if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And that's a little bit of a drawback short term uh, with, yeah. with IU, but I think he's going to turn into a very good player. And by the way, he's a little older. In fact, of all the people in the first round for me, uh, he is the oldest by about a year over guys like Higgins and Jefferson and, and Rieger. Uh, so, again, and, and Judy and Lamb as well. So that that can be a, a – it matters when you're talking rookie drafts, and, and that would be a reason maybe to pivot to Jefferson's talking myself into it. I like both guys a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I feel like I should take Jefferson next because you did hint at Jefferson being the next guy on your list. But I'm going to go with Denzel Mims. Not because I don't trust Justin Jefferson. I just – with Mims, I mean, we don't know if Sam Darnold's good at this point. He is a total question mark after two years in the league. Um, I, I am still hopeful, but I can't say I'm expecting a ton. But I just, you know, there's just not a lot in this offense that scares me in terms of them, them you know, not giving Denzel Mims opportunities. Um, you know, Frank Gore was just signed there. Everything we know about Adam Gase is that he likes to rotate his running backs. Typically, he likes Frank Gore. He does not like Le'Veon Bell. I wonder if Le'Veon Bell has as big of a role in this offense as you know we might expect in year two. And then at receiver, I mean, there's a lot of projection, but not a lot of 
you know, necessarily a lot of talent. Chris Herndon's still a guy who I think you know, people are optimistic for, but it's not played a big role. Um, you know, obviously missed, I think, all of last year. Um, I like Rashad Perriman, but again, you know, he is a guy who is going to be a downfield threat, not typically going to be a wide receiver one in terms of the target rate. Jameson Crowder is going to be the slot guy. I think Mims has a a meaningful opportunity to carve out a role from day one. And if Sam Darnold is good or the offensive line does play better, that could be a more optimistic landing spot than it might seem. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. There's, I like the the talent with Mims here. Uh, you know, other years he, yeah, he would be more discussed if the class wasn't so deep at wide receiver. And you're right. There's a great opportunity for him to play there. So if I'm, if I'm worried, it's uh, that Sam Darnold, like you said, I, I'm not sold yet as no one really can be at and is the offense going to be any good you know i think the jets yeah. are going to struggle i have been picking in the top five again next year i just haven't seen i, I like joe douglas i think he'll get it strained out at some point but uh i didn't see them address uh, key spots in the defensive side of the ball like i would have seen and then uh, the offensive line being better is huge obviously darnold was under an insane amount of pressure last season so yeah. uh perhaps that will help uh help the entire offense, including Mims, if he gets on the field. So I, I agree. This could be a guy that, you know, maybe like a – maybe kind of like Terry McLaurin last season, right, where he was just – it was a bad offense, but he was in a good situation playing so often, and he was a legit talent that he was fantasy relevant. That could be the case here for Mims. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's the first round of our, our rookie draft. Let's go through the second round. Um, a little quicker, just because I feel like I'm rambling here when it comes to some of these guys. Uh, who do you have at 13? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm the king of rambling, so no, 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 uh, no, no. no you're, the, you're the guest, you're supposed to be talking. <laughs> yeah, we could, uh, we could certainly speed through round two, no problem. Uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson is next, as, as we foreshadowed. Great situation with Minnesota. In fact, I kind of talked myself into moving him ahead of IU on my board, uh, which is why this process is, uh, is enlightening sometimes. So, uh, over a year younger, uh, you know, he's super productive led the nation in catches last season, and, you know, he should step right in for Stephon Diggs into a significant role in this Vikings offense. And, yeah, they want to run it, but uh, see what you want about Kirk Cousins. The guy was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league last season, and, and Jefferson's going to be out there catching a lot of his targets. So a, a good situation short-term, a good situation long-term. Love the talent. I'm in. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to run the ball a lot, but – do you think absolutely, you know, this is an offense that was very efficient on play action, very efficient throwing downfield when they did so. so? Justin Jefferson should be an efficient player when he is on the field. Um, at 14, I'm I'm going to go Keyshawn Vaughn. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. Maybe I'm just projecting. Maybe I'm looking too short term. But I just, Bruce Arians, I don't know how much faith he has in Ronald Jones playing as a three-down back. Could see Vaughn playing the James White role. Um, in this offense, I think there is, you know, a lot of value from week to week in that offense when you're playing that under Tom Brady. And I don't know, do you think he has the ability to be that guy or be more than that? Or am I just being too optimistic about this Bucks offense? No, I, I definitely see the upside. I think it's wide open because Ronald Jones is entering his third year in the NFL and is three months younger than Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, we may still not have seen his best work. Uh, you know, remember Jones came in really young struggled badly as a rookie, was good last year. He was an effective rusher. We just didn't see a full-on commitment from Bruce Arians, and and obviously that's a little bit of a red flag. But also, you know, Tampa Bay waited till the third round to pick a running back, right? It's not yeah. like they were crazy aggressive about it. They didn't sign, you know, Carlos Hyde or Devonta Freeman yet anyway or, or anyone else. So I still think the plan is probably for those two guys to compete for it, and, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Jones kind of won that job. So uh, mm-hmm. still prefer Jones in fantasy short-term, and, and honestly, I think it's a close call long-term. Yeah, I mean, Jones is still really young, so hardly out of the question there. Um, who do you have at 15? Well, I'm going to go to a guy who I expected you to take before me because I'm not a big fan, which hurts me as an Eagles fan, but uh, I'm a little nervous about uh, Jalen Rieger. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm a little worried about this one. Uh, just because of what we saw last season. And look, I know that he was good in 2018. He was His efficiency was pretty good, but he just plummeted last year. He caught 47% of his passes. He had averaged 6.6 yards per target. And I know, bad quarterback play, a ton of balls thrown his way were off target. It worries me. I, You know, he has uh, a perfectly fine frame. He has decent speed. He can carry the ball, return. He can catch, you know, he, he can play receiver, obviously. 
but I'm worried about, you know, just that drop off last season. He had nine drops too. He had six fumbles oh. too. It's not quarterback play, you know? So uh, I'm hoping Howie Roseman is a fan. I'm hoping Howie Roseman knows what he's doing here. And, and by the way, receivers are tougher to evaluate for me than running backs. I, I'll, you know, I feel like running backs, relatively speaking, are super easy. It's, again, relatively speaking, receivers are tough and the numbers aren't as quite as reliable, but stuff like that definitely scares me, especially when you, you look at the fumbles and drop numbers as well. Yeah, I'm concerned about the short-term opportunity. We know Deshaun Jackson's under contract. We know Alshon Jeffrey, who is not 100% or never going to be 100%, is under contract. There's, um, you know, they traded for Marquise Goodwin, gave him a restructured contract. I'm not sure. I haven't seen if the, the deal is guaranteed. It's only $1.1 million, but still you'd figure they're expecting him to make the roster. So not much of an expectation in 2020. And then, you know, obviously the future is still to come, and we'll see what happens. But, um you know, I think he's more a guy for 2021 and beyond, and maybe he's a guy who you can get, you know, after year one, if he disappoints, you can maybe trade for him uh, as a player who could be a, you know, sort of a, a year two breakout guy. But um, yeah, I think fair to question his college performance last year as well. Um, I will go here. I'm at 16. I will take, I'll, I'll go Joe Burrow. I, I just, you know, I think this is an opportunity to get, one of the best quarterbacks in college football history when it came to last year. I mean, a guy who could be, who has, he has upside as, if not QB1, because of, you know, maybe not the running ability you might hope for. He's going to run a little bit, but not a ton. But I think a guy who, you know, could be, you know, top five quarterback for the next 12, 15 years, which is kind of scary if you're in a, uh, you know, a, a, a dynasty, we keep a guy forever. So, um, I wouldn't take a lot of quarterbacks in the situation if they didn't have running value, but I think Joe Burrow might be the exception. Yep, uh, I could not have laid it out better. Uh, also has a pretty good group of weapons. The offensive yeah. line's a concern for term, but the weapons there are good. We already kind of talked through that when we were talking about T. Higgins, but uh, good group there. Um, but just remember, year two is the breakout year for quarterbacks unless they run a lot, right? So there have only been five top 10 and seven top 14 fantasy seasons by rookie quarterbacks over the past decade. They were Cam, RG3, Dak, Tyler Murray, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston all had at least four rushing touchdowns. Some of those guys did a ton of their legs. So just keep that in mind. You know, year two is the year you want to go after uh, a quarterback in in terms of, you know, essentially by lows in fantasy. That's the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. Uh, who do you have at 17? Uh, next up for me, I have uh, LaVishka Chenault Jr. Yeah. from Colorado. Goes Yeah, goes to Jacksonville, you know, uh, you know, the, the offensive weapon types always make me a little nervous, you know, because are, are you in fantasy because are, are they going to be more impactful for, in, in, you know, as, to their team as they are in fantasy? It's, it's always uh, a little bit of a tricky one to figure out. But uh, there's a path that down the road to a pretty substantial role. Also, I wonder if they find a way to move Leonard Fournette. Will Chanel play kind of a, a bigger role as a pass catcher? It's it's possible, but then again, they did just sign Chris Thompson, so I'm sure he'll, he'll handle a lot of that uh, with Jay Gruden down there. For sure. But uh, so they, right now they have Edie uh, Westbrook. Um, they they obviously have DJ Chark, who I, I liked a lot last year. Chris Conley is in the mix, so he might he might have trouble nailing down a short term consistent role. But the guy is just, he's big, he's crazy athletic. The upside here is enormous. So if we're in early round two, I'm fine taking him. Yeah, I mean he could be catching passes from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, this time next year, or I guess in 2021, yep. that's not out of the question, which would dramatically change uh, his possible upside. I'm going to reach a bit here just to pick a guy I like. I'm going to go Chase Claypool. Um, I, I'm just I'm very optimistic about the Steelers' offense. I there, there's there's pieces here, but I mean, you know, I, I just think he's sort of the big body that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be comfortable tossing the ball up to. Um, you know, maybe sort of not a Plaxico Burris, quite that sort of guy, but maybe closer to that than sort of more of the efficient route runner guys. And I just think the Steelers offense is super underrated. I think there's every reason to think, you know, how given how awful they were at the end of last year, they're going to bounce back. The offensive line is still very good. Ben is going to be obviously, you know, better than what they had at quarterback last year, even if he's not his old self. I just think he is a guy who could be, you know, a, a very productive wide receiver pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm with you. I totally get it. It's kind of surprised me that he's been discussed as their number three receiver right away, uh, even though James Washington is a really interesting uh, third-year, sec- former second-round receiver yeah. on top of Deontay Johnson and, and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. So uh, they seem to like him a lot, uh, and we'll see if he pans out as a wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, who do you have next? 
Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go back to the running back well here because I don't want you to get your hands on my guy in our draft here, Zach Moss. Uh, okay. I love Zach. I love Zach Moss. In fact, I even have him ahead of AJ Dillon. Uh, part of that is a short-term workload, but it's also because I think he's a much better prospect. I look. I know he struggled in the 40-yard dash at the combine, four-six-five, but we've seen that from guys who have emerged. Uh, who have uh, a uh, well-rounded skill set in, in the pros, and so that doesn't bother me too much. He's big. So you don't expect a, a crazy fast uh, uh, 40. He's 223 pounds. But here's where he stands out. Those two key areas I mentioned before. Yak had the second best in this year's rookie class last season. And Force missed tackles, also second best in his class last season. And he was just almost as good the year before, too. So it wasn't just like a one-year thing where he had a few big plays. The guy, to me, looks like a legit potential star running back. I think he slides right into at least the Frank Gore role and perhaps will do more in terms of ball carrying. He should get uh, a good chunk of the goal line work. He's much bigger than Devin Singletary. So, again, you're worried about Singletary being there uh, because he's an effective back, probably the better pass pitching back as well, though Moss can do that. And you're worried about Josh Allen, of course, stealing rushing touchdowns, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a problem. But, again, I'm just betting on talent here. I love Zach Moss. Yeah, he was next to my board, and I do think that – you know, he could be a situation where, you know, the Bills want to take some of the pressure off Josh Allen running the football. They want to get him hit a little less frequently. So maybe they do use Zach Moss in the red zone by the goal line more because they want to get, they want to keep Josh Allen healthy for the course of a full season. So that wouldn't shock me in the slightest. I really like him as a pick. I'm actually going to go A.J. Dillon with the next pick. I, I don't love A.J. Dillon. I don't, you know, I don't love that profile. I do think the receiving issues. Um, I don't see him as like a dominant receiving back. He's not an Aaron Jones replacement, but this is a team that, you know, the Packers have shown no desire to commit to Aaron Jones. Both he and Jamal Williams are free agents after the year. So you could be looking at a situation in 2021 where A.J. Dillon is the primary running back for this offense. And, you know, that's a pretty valuable guy, even if I'm not super optimistic about his chances. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm worried about him not catching the football, right? You need to basically be able to run the ball like uh, Derrick Henry to be a top five, top maybe even top ten fantasy running back if you're going to catch 17 balls. And that's a possibility for Dylan. That's his profile. He's 247 pounds. He didn't catch many balls at Boston College. So that's that's what I'm worried about in fantasy. And honestly, it's still a head-scratching pick for the Packers. I I don't know why they did. They have other needs. They want to win a Super Bowl short-term, apparently. I know that Jones and Williams are going to be free agents after next season, but we're talking about running backs. Every team in the league right now, I think, is happy with their running back situation. It's easy to find running backs. It really is. You don't need to worry. You don't need to plan long-term at the running back spot. So uh, that's a factor for sure. Aaron Jones is really good. So Dylan's going to need an injury to be fantasy relevant this season, I think. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, Who do you have then at 21? Four picks left. I'm going to go with uh, one of the youngest guys in, in the draft, or certainly that we're going to talk about here, K.J. Hamler. Uh, I think he steps right into a substantial role for Denver. You know, we already talked about Barry Judy earlier, uh, and I think many have just assumed Hamler will be the slot there. I don't know if that's the case. You know, I think they're going to move guys around because Jerry Judy, remember, about three-quarters of the time was in the slot last season at Alabama. Hamler at Penn State, did he was closer to 90%, but I think they can be creative here, move guys around that formation. But uh, Hamler, just a young prospect, may struggle in this run-heavy offense for consistent fantasy value now, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of upside for the speedster down the road. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, that makes total sense. 21? 21, yeah. No, yeah, 21. Um, I am going to go with... I'm going to go Justin Herbert. And, and I talked about okay. Joe Burrow. I, don't, I think Justin Herbert is not on the same caliber of prospect as Joe Burrow, but I think Justin Herbert's going to be the starter pretty quick. I don't think the Chargers are going to stick with Tyrod Taylor for very long. There's plenty of weapons here in this offense. The offensive line has improved. Not a left tackle, my one concern, but there's definitely improvement. I do think Justin Herbert can be an impactful runner. I do think he's going to have an impact as a runner from the beginning. I think they're going to use him uh, to run the ball a fair amount. I think he's going to be a guy who is has the athleticism to run the ball, and I think he could be a guy who, you know, sort of like a, not quite a Josh Allen, but a guy who, you know, we didn't really profile him as a significant runner coming out of school, but because he was limited, because he wasn't necessarily uh, that guy who was an instant impact player um, as a passer, he could make an impact as a runner, um, maybe more than we're expecting. 
Yeah, that's, that's interesting for sure. Uh, you know, Allen had a, a season where he had over 500 rushing yards in college, which, you know, he didn't do it as his, his final year, but he had at least one season like that, whereas Herbert had, what, a little over 500 yards for his career. Yeah, uh, so, for sure. Uh, I, I'm not sure he's going to be a big difference maker there. You know, I've seen comps of Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz, and at times, certainly when they were younger, they did some stuff with their legs that's, that kind of tailed off as they got into yeah. their mid to late 20s. So maybe that's kind of how Herbert makes an impact. But That's probably a better call, uh, yeah. And he is a terrific athlete, don't get me wrong. But generally when you're 6'6", 236, you're not going to change – you're not going to be a, a much of a producer with your legs. So I think he's going to have to pan out more as a guy that maybe can put up 150, 200 yards with his legs and a touchdown or two, but really does the damage with his arm. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I, I'm surprised you went with him over Tua. I, I think the ceiling is much higher for Tua. I would have, I would have, if I'm picking a quarterback, I'm going Tua there. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, would you take Tua here with your next to last pick? No, I'll tell you what. I'm going to take uh, a guy who's trending up on my board and should be on everyone's, I think. And, and perhaps I was a little too low on him initially, but and, and it was <clears throat> it was because I didn't know what position he was going to play, and that's Antonio Gibson mm-hmm. for Washington. You know, they're talking about him as kind of like a, a guy like Christian McCaffrey, you know. And, again, that could be coach speak, but also – we're talking about a guy who could run the ball, who could catch the ball, who is, again, I've worked with the receivers at the Combine, and a six foot two twenty eight. You know, maybe he's going to find a role. Maybe he does has very little experience. You know, he's four four wheels. He has the potential to maybe be the starting running back at some point for the Redskins, and who knows if, if they can turn him into a guy uh, that's a 20-touch a guy in this league that can be a threat as a receiver and a rusher. So, the way they're talking about him makes me more inspired. And, again, I know we, we haven't seen him much. There's a little experience. He could be a, a massive bust and just not have it. We just haven't seen enough from him. But the way he's been discussed and the way he's going to be utilized in this offense yeah, has me really excited. So uh, Antonio Gibson definitely trending up for me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And, you know, we just don't know what that offense is going to look like in the running game. I mean, you know, the the depending on who you think took Darius Geis, I have to think the you know the Rivera camp is not necessarily attached to Darius Geis. They've brought in guys like Peyton Barber, and Adrian Peterson is still there, but you know a, a totally different sort of player from those guys. Um, so absolutely, I think there's definite upside there. I'm sorry, that was your last pick, not your next to last pick. I apologize. That was 23. This is 24. Hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna finish up. I'll take a running back. I'll take a shot on Joshua Kelly. I. You know, I, I know they signed Austin Eckler, so you know he's going to be a big part of the receiving game there. I didn't mean to pick back-to-back Chargers, just happened to work out that way, I guess. But, I mean, I, I don't, you know, the organization wasn't super comfortable giving Justin Jackson a meaningful role last year. So, you know, Kelly kind of stands out to me as a guy who, you know, by week one could have a meaningful role. Wouldn't it be out of the question if he was the, you know, the early down back in this offense and the goal line back in this offense? So, if he plays that role, I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're, I think he has less of a ceiling in the long term than some of the running backs we took earlier. But as a guy who could be, you know, a viable flex if he does get that goal line role in year one, yeah, I think Joshua Kelly is a pretty interesting prospect. Yeah, in- interesting for sure. I have him down my board a little bit further, but sure. uh, you're right. I mean, it's wide open. I mean, like you said, they don't want Eckler to be. Uh, a full-time back, you know, they, he's not going to be a guy that carries the ball 200 times or, or, or I mean, 250, 300 times. He may not even get to 200. So uh, a lot like Alvin Kamara. So there's room there. If he, if Kelly can beat out uh, 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 Jackson to be uh, a pretty impa- impactful player right away. So I'm kind of repeating what you just said, but, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I understand the appeal. Okay. So I, I feel like I cheated you because I said you had two picks left and you had one pick left. If you had to go one, one more one more selection to finish up here, who's the next guy on your board? Should we, should we do like uh, Todd and Mel's best five available or something? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. or, yes, you, you do your you yeah. do your best five available. We'll finish up there. Yeah, best five on my board: uh, Devin Duvarney, Baltimore's newest wide receiver; Brian Edwards uh, from the Raiders, third round pick; uh, Tua, who we just talked about down in Miami. If you want to get a quarterback, Van Jefferson, one of the second round receivers still left on the board. He goes to the Rams. And then Tyler Johnson, who, I mean, I'm surprised he fell so far. I, I cannot believe he made it to the fifth round. If you look at yards per out run from last season, that wide receiver, it's CeeDee Lamb, one, T. Higgins, two, Tyler Johnson, three, Jerry Judy, four. I mean, the guy was super productive, so a little surprised by that. So that's my uh, that's my best five available. Well, Mike, 
always a pleasure to have you on the show. If people want to check out more of the incredible work you do for us at ESPN, where can they do that? Uh, at Mike Clay NFL on Twitter, and then certainly you can follow along at ES and uh, ESPN.com and ESPN Plus. Well, Mike, like I said, always a pleasure. We'll have you back on, I'm sure, later on during the offseason. A lot to talk about when it comes to the upcoming season, but always a blast, buddy. Thank you so much for hopping on. Always fun. Talk soon, Bill. All right. Again, thanks so much to my guest, Mike Clay of ESPN. We have a lot more football coming up, a lot more to talk about. Hope you guys are staying healthy. Hope we can distract you for about 45 minutes or an hour talking about football here in the weeks to come, but a lot more on the way. So thanks so much for listening.